Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on Medical Association of Georgia's award-winning Top Docs radio show. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be getting into MAG's Physician Wellness Program today. I'm very interested to learn about the resources being made available to doctors in the state of Georgia. And remember, with more than 8,000 members in every specialty and practice setting, MAG is the leading voice for physicians here in Georgia. And if you are a doctor in Georgia would like to join the Medical Association of Georgia, go to mag.org. And uh, you can get signed up. We want to say thank you very much to Alliant Health Solutions for their grant and sponsorship in making this show possible. And today we're going to be sitting in with Dr. Keisha Callens. She chairs Medical Association of Georgia's Task Force on Physician Wellness. Dr. Callens is an OBGYN with Community Health Care Systems, which is a federally qualified health center network in Central Georgia. Thanks for sitting in. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. I wasn't aware until we learned about what today's topic was going to be, that there even is such a thing as a wellness program for physicians. Why do we need to have a wellness program for physicians? Talk about that a little bit. So physician burnout has become a very interesting topic. It has received a lot of um, attention lately. And so I really think physician wellness is actually going upstream. It's how do we really start to tackle the problem. And take myself for example. I'm an OBGYN. I'm married. I have two children. I have three chickens. I work out of two offices. Um, I stay very busy. And being able to maintain clinical responsibilities as well as community engagement, as well as keeping up with administrative tasks, and then making time for mentoring, and then maybe a little bit of time for self, maybe. But that becomes very challenging to balance and so it is not uncommon for physicians to um, become overwhelmed and hence the term burnout shows up and actually OBGYNs are one of the top specialties that could potentially experience burnout and so with that in mind I do think that wellness is the way to focus on that um, it just so happens that I had the opportunity um, just from my personal experience, of course, that was an issue. And then I um, have talked to colleagues who are struggling with that as well. And then just kind of walking around with that, and then I was able to, with good fortune, become a part of MAG's Georgia Physicians Leadership Program mm -hmm. in um, a couple of years ago. And with that, finally found a platform that I could use to do something with that concern that I had, not just for myself, but also for my colleagues. And so with that, um, I was able to kind of do more research. And um, here we are um, a year later. Well, you're talking about being an OBGYN. As, as, as you were talking about that, I'm sitting here thinking, well, besides sleep there can't be there can't be too many other specialties that are going to lose sleep like an OBGYN will with the call and being up in the middle of the night and having to go in for for all kinds of procedures talk about some of the factors call I can imagine if you're in a specialty that that requires such a thing uh, and a community maybe that has a paucity of your specialty you're going to be having that kind of pressure all the time talk about some of the other factors that come into play we've got more documentation requirements mm -hmm. things you got to track what's yeah. what's what all is stressing out of doctor today. Yeah, so I think um, all specialties have some degree of um, expectation that sometimes seems more than you can handle, regardless of whether or not it's a surgical subspecialty. Um, but I think the factors really probably are best categorized maybe as more internal factors, and then there's some external factors. And it's important um, to think about, for example, the external factors. That could just be like who your employer is, mm -hmm. or that could be something like where you work if you're in a rural community. When it comes to personal factors, we're looking at things like you know how you manage your workload how you complete your charts how often do you have an opportunity to have a vacation how many days are you working in a row things of that sort but really 
um, physician wellness and burnout really is not even mm, I guess I would recommend that we look at it more through like a 3D glasses kind of scenario because it's really three-dimensional mm -hmm. because the length and breadth of some of those things vary depending on where you are in life where you're living what other things are impacting you and so really it is a very complicated kind of a complex thing to approach um, with that in mind I wanted to use one example um, as far as structure for how medicine works and I'm going to use an analogy to kind of help illustrate that um, airline airline pilots for example they have a very regimented way in terms of the hours that they work and the rest that's required mm -hmm. um, outside of residency physicians kind of don't have that um, boundary that's placed on them for how they practice right and so if you're in your own practice solo practice group practice um, there's no one who's restricting the number of hours that you have to work at a time and so the specialty itself sometimes kind of sets us up because we are trained to do more give more resolve problems um, sometimes without boundaries often and so really a lot of the focus for our work is to look at how do we work on those structural factors both from the internal or personal perspective as well as the external things and sometimes impact the decisions that we have to make talk about the the coming about of the wellness program and and you know how that came into being and and what they decided they're going to set their mission to be so um, again with the opportunity to do research through the program um, the GPLA program um, we really started looking at you know what are the key things that we can do and one of the things that I found initially was just availability of resources and so with the development of the resolution that was adopted at the House of Delegates last year one part of that was to form a task force that could could look at the literature and then make recommendations um, both on the personal level and also all the organizational level for things that we can do and so one of the things that's been really nice is that in this past year we've been able to present now that's available on the MAG website and actually a wellness um, tab and so there are resources that are listed that's going to be a work in progress and that's kind of a small step in the right direction in terms of what the um, task force can do now the next level and I'm looking ahead already is to really work on how do we connect now with our um, specialty societies and also local medical societies to promote that awareness even more now are you getting you know buy-in partnership from either those organizations or other other entities that understand this is an issue that can, you know obviously burnout's going to we're already sh behind in terms of the number of physicians that we have but then safety comes into play right. talk about some of the people that are kind of investing in this with you so it's been actually exciting um, working on this initiative with mag because it's an opportunity um, for what I would call solidifying that collaborative impact we've been able to work with um, closely the Georgia um, composite medical board and also the physicians health program and that's important um, because all of those entities um, kind of impact how physicians practice we all do in kind of a separate way and for example um, I had an opportunity to serve as a board member on the um, Georgia Composite Medical Board, we actually have a wellness committee, an entire committee committed to how we monitor and help physicians um, that are needing assistance. And with that, there's an existing partnership with the Physicians Health Program, and that actually is a safe harbor for physicians who are experiencing difficulty that need some help. Because the whole idea is how do we get our physicians to be well so they can take care of all the patients that are depending on them. Mm -hmm. And it's important because when you think about burnout and you think about stress, um, it's not uncommon to think of the of it in the sense that 
and I'm going to use kind of a funny example, but um, stress kind of makes very quick friends with unhealthy habits and poor coping skills. Sure. And with that, sometimes comes substance abuse, you know, changes in behavior, changes in mood disorders. Right. And with that becomes a need for actually extra help. And so um, the Physician's Health Program provides that um, resource and that network for physicians who are needing that kind of help. And so being able to put the PHP's um, resources together with the composite medical board's resources and then with MAG's resources, really we're improving the level um, of care that physicians have access to and the level of resources. What are you seeing at the national level like AMA? Are they are they taking a position on physician wellness and doing some things there absolutely. as well, I would assume? Yes, absolutely. So I am um, terribly excited to tell you that the AMA um, has a lot of information. They've been actually invested a lot of funding into how they promote physician wellness and burnout. Um, I would encourage everyone actually to just Google um, AMA and physician burnout. There are a ton of resources on there. I mean, lots of things. And what I like about it is their focus really is on um, looking at the research and the evidence regarding impact, uh, regarding burnout and wellness, but also recommendations for strategies. Um, I looked at the website recently, and for example, they we're promoting an app called Headspace, which is an opportunity for physicians to practice mindfulness and breathing, which I think is important. Mm -hmm. um, they had a focus on, you know, suggestions for females in medicine, which I think is also important. Um, they had an article actually recently that talked about um, how um, residents who do more non-medical reading have less burnout. And so that, that translates sense. into yeah. a very low-cost, no-cost intervention, which could be something simply as, you know, having your residents, you know, start a bestsellers book club right. that has nothing to do with medicine, which provides a space for them to relax and then come back to what they're doing and kind of complement their practice. And so really, um, lots of resources. And if um, there's one thing I recommend that any physician could do, there's actually... Um, an opportunity for, for you to subscribe and there's actually a burnout management tip of the week that you get weekly with things that will make recommendations on you know practice things like charting and some other things and so really lots of resources um, that everyone should at least take one glance at just because there's so much there. What are you seeing as it relates to you, you talked about women in, in, in medicine what are you seeing as it relates to this topic and how it how it comes to, into play for women. If you look at the surgical specialties, mm -hmm. which you're a part of, obviously, yeah. uh, women have always been pretty heavy minority mm -hmm. in some of those. That's really changed a lot since I left the the bedside long ago when I was in nursing. But um, it's still true, mm -hmm. obviously, a minority. I mean, have things changed? What's it like to be a woman in medicine now? Um, so there are definitely some. Um <laughs> challenges, <laughs> to say it lightly, um, but the challenges are not insurmountable. I will tell you that when I was considering the specialty, um, there were a lot of people who discouraged that because of the physical demands and also because of the you know additional training and then also being able to balance that work-life balance with family. Um, but there's a philosophy that I have um, tried to share with my students and, and the, the people that I mentor. You know, decide what you want and then figure out a plan to get it done and be creative as you can. And so what I see happening with, um, in terms of my choices and my colleagues, 
is we're starting to do things a little bit differently. So if you are working in a practice, you may consider joining or being a part of a larger call group so you can have less days that you're on call. Or working in a practice where you have midwives so you have that team-based approach which sometimes can help because they're going to be managing a lot of the routine deliveries and then you're available as a backup for things, um, you know, other issues that may come up. And so being able to, you know, enjoy the practice that you like but not feel totally burnt out or dead to the world when you're not working. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that there is an opportunity for us to be creative about that. And so the first step in that is just being aware of it and then um, realizing that the way that you approach that as a female is not a singular thing. Really being able to connect with other women in medicine, younger and older or more mature, who have experiences that can help you in your choices and not feeling like you have to fight all the battles all over when those battles may have already been resolved. And so really um, that community and solidarity that you get from really connecting with your colleagues makes a big difference. I've, outside of my work here on the show, I've had cause to be speaking with residency programs. Mm -hmm. uh, and in so doing, I was looking at, at the website for one, and it was you know, it was the for the recruiting part of the page, and it was talking about how residents are. Uh, it was an internal medicine residency, and residents could could plan for at least one day a week, one day every seven days off. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, what a what a what a thing to advertise! But it kind of shows you right. the pressure and the the grind that starts early on, especially when you get into the the postgraduate years, where it's really kind of a crush. I mean, talk about what it's like nowadays as it relates to wellness and and burnout I mean <laughs> just making it through that phase has got to be grueling because I mean just like what I, I illustrated one day in a seven-day period is off is supposed to be a fantastic thing right what's it like for students and, and residents now so I think um, some things are the same and th some things are not different and so there are some things that are in place now to kind of help residents for example regulate how many hours they may spend in the hospital at one time so there are some things that are changing um, but at the same time the practice itself and what's required to become a physician, that probably is never going to change. Mm -hmm. um, any specialty where you are learning how to take care of people and where their physical outcomes, whether or not they live or even die, depends on the decisions that you make, then your commitment to that training is always going to be intense. Um, but I will tell you that with that, it seems to me a lot of our focus has been on teaching the practice of medicine. So it's imperative for us to actually spend just as much energy helping our physicians in training learn how to take care of themselves early mm -hmm. while they're working on learning how to take care of patients. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be something that happens later or something that happens when something goes wrong, it really should be a compliment. And so even something as simple as, you know, and I've encouraged students when they're studying for exams, like they, there's a major test they take at the end of the second year, step one, and I encourage a couple students, you know, form a running club, you know, run for a mile, and then everyone show up and study. Like how do we incorporate wellness into what we're doing in our training? And so I think it's important for us to do that, and I really, um, I'm trying to promote and through the task force hopefully that you know medical schools and residency programs are making that a priority and if it's not made a priority then when they're a physician and they haven't learned to adjust or to cope or balance we see the negative impact that happens when that's not learned very early. 
have you found some examples of similar programs maybe they're a little further along in their life cycle that are that are having some positive impacts for their constituents so I spent um, a, a good amount of time looking at other states um, when we were developing the resolution um, regarding physician wellness and I looked at states for example like Virginia um, South Carolina and even in Washington State um, and just looking at kind of what's available and one of the things that I found that was consistent is their availability of resources online and I think that was very key and when I looked at what we had in terms of what Georgia was offering you know there was an opportunity for improvement in that aspect and so hence the website is up and available and will be updated with information um, the other thing that I found interesting um, which is kind of leading into what we'll be doing going forward with the task force is you know finding unique initiatives to address what's important to your physicians in your state and so there are a couple of different initiatives that people are working on whether or not it's improving availability of resources for you know mindfulness training or you know how we can integrate with organizational um, medicine in terms of what we can do to be supportive because a lot of things are imposed on physicians if you're not self-employed then sometimes you don't have as much control right. about the things that occur in terms of your demands and so it's important for us to um, to really pay attention to that and learn from other states do you find that it's just uh, I'm too busy or maybe there's financial considerations when it comes to like think about the man and the, that's got heart disease and he sits there all day long evolving a heart attack and he won't go get help, right? Even though he doesn't feel well. What do you see as, the, as a similar analogy, if you, why, why, why are we clinicians so slow even when we know we're struggling to, to seek out help? Well, I think physicians, um, because of their position in society, there's an expectation that they really have got it all together and they are trained and have committed to that field in that sense. But really, physicians are humans. They're regular people that have committed to taking care of people. And so the demands that they experience are really no different. And so some of the things that makes it really hard is um, the professional stigma that comes from asking for help and you know how that will affect what your colleagues think about you how that may potentially affect your licensing your practice and what you do and so I think the natural um, response is to keep it inside or keep it close to the vest and um, that may not always be the best answer because a lot of things can probably be addressed but it's not uncommon um, for physicians to kind of hold on to a lot of things and then later there be a bigger problem that could have addressed been addressed sooner and so I think um, addressing those concerns and making it easier for us to discuss when there's a problem then making those resources available and again I um, want to reference um, for example the physicians health program you know that being a safe harbor where physicians can actually get treatment um, based on their diagnoses and that um, can be protected information that should not affect their practice has it been out there long enough now that some folks are actually starting to communicate with them and kind of say hey I'm needing some help yeah I, they have been around um, but again I think the services are underutilized because um, people are still not sure if I tell them this then what happens to me it's like you know an extreme example if someone were thinking about committing suicide you know if I call the crisis line then what happens to that information you know what does that happen to me is it going to be discoverable and so that's a really big concern because that public perception can impact your practice impacting your practice 
it impacts your income and it impacts your reputation and so there are a lot of things at stake um, but I do think that with burnout becoming so such a big deal and receiving so much attention I think that the paradigm shift that happens with that is we're more comfortable talking about it and we would like to prefer to have the conversation I'm struggling I need some help versus having some other outcome that would be um, unfortunate well, we know that there's not enough physicians to go around everywhere, so the hospital systems and, and the various organizations that have groups of physicians uh, are trying to attract and retain as much talent as they can. Are you seeing at that level, the system level hospitals, are they trying to maybe get a little bit more innovative and provide maybe better resources that help with such things? I don't know what they might be. It might be different kind of almost like cancer patients have mm -hmm. complementary mm -hmm. therapies. Or are they doing better jobs with that kind of right. stuff for you now? So I think there are varying degrees of adoption for best practices in that regard. I think that there are some hospital systems who are investing in that. They're actually hiring um, separate um, entities that can help physicians with mindfulness and breathing and techniques. Um, so I, I think there are some efforts. But I do think there's still a lot that needs to happen in that area. And again, referencing particularly for physicians who are not self-employed and there are a lot of decisions that are sometimes made that may or may not have what we think are our best interest at heart and so there's definitely room for improvement and so one of the jobs of the task force is to look at the information that's available and make recommendations and raise the bar and raise the standard for what organizations should provide to physicians because at the end of the day the patient's are the most important thing and if the people who are responsible for taking care of our patients are not at their best self that impacts the patient and so um, at some point everyone's going to have to get on board with paying attention to that if they're not already doing it would you see some kind of warning signs that you might suggest to a colleague hey man you you, you might want to get involved with the wellness program yeah I think that's a good um, point um, and really it's important for us to talk to each other. The other part of that is, you know, if I do notice something with a colleague is being comfortable saying something, um, or if someone else mentions something, learning how to approach that. We're really good about doing that with our patients. We want them to spill it all when we ask them a question. We want to know what's bothering them. I mean, you ask patients, you know, there's the PHQ2, you know, are you hopeless, are you depressed? Right. Um, so I think we really do need to get comfortable with asking um, our colleagues the same question. If their behavior changes, you know, if they're, you know, not wanting to interact as much, they're not answering their phone, or um, they're look, always looking tired, or, you know, if you see if you go out and they may be, you know, overindulging of um, some sort, I think we do need to start having that conversation and making it comfortable for our colleagues to say something's going on. But also, too, now that we are getting, um, promoting the availability of resources, identifying a problem is one thing, but being able to make the appropriate referral. And so, um, the, again, the Physician's Health Program is a great opportunity to call and reach out for help. And not everyone requires that kind of attention. Um, it may be seeing a therapist. And just think, you know, psychiatrists are required to have a therapist because of what they do. And so a lot of the specialties in general absorb a lot when they take care of their patients and really do need to have an outlet. So I really think just changing kind of some of the things that are set up for the practice and how we take care of ourselves is very important. So for, for a peer or maybe someone who's watching today has a loved one um, that is uh, a physician or other 
clinician. Um, do you have some resources? What number would they should they call or a website or websites that you think maybe would be a good place to start? Okay, so that may vary depending on the comfort level of the physician. Um, the Physician's Health Program definitely reaching out on that website is available through um, if you just Google Physician Health Program, but also if you go to the Georgia Composite Medical website or um, even to the MAG website, you'll be able to link up with them, and that's a good place to start. Um, having said that, um, it is not unreasonable for you to discuss it with your personal physician. Let them know kind of what you're feeling, and they may be able to make a recommendation um, for a therapist, or maybe there may be some medication therapy, or maybe they need to prescribe a vacation. Um, so I think to start out, it really needs to be a conversation with their provider, and then some recommendations hopefully will come out of that. Um, so that's probably a good place to start. Yeah, any mm -hmm. final thoughts before I let you get back to the rest of your day? Sure. So I um, actually really want to appeal to any entity that is involved with physicians, whether or not it's from the organizational standpoint, um, any, phys any group that actually supports physicians. Um, I would encourage um, them to really consider physician wellness and physician burnout as something that needs to be addressed. It's not just the responsibility of the physician to make those improvements. And I really think that when we start to think about it like that, everyone takes ownership of that. Um, on a personal level, as physicians, um, we need to take better care of ourselves. Honestly, when we're our best self, we do our best work, and we can do that for longer. You know, when we lose a physician um, from practice, either because of burnout or um, they have reduced hours, um, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about rural communities, over half of the counties in our state do not have an OBGYN. And so if, you know, we lose one OBGYN because they're burned out, that's a big deal. That's a big impact on, on, um, on women's health care. And so I think it's important um, for us to realize that the effect even in our rural communities is magnified. Mm -hmm. If we lose a physician, um, the patients are impacted, their families are impacted, um, and it just goes on and on. And so really, I, I want to encourage um, our physicians on a personal level um, to do what I do with my ladies. And I say, you know, you got to put yourself at the top of your priority list. That's mm -hmm. really hard for women mm -hmm. because you're so focused on taking care of everyone else. But I tell my moms, you know, if you're not in your best health, then you cannot feed your kids well. You're not going to give them five fruits and vegetables. Neither are you going to read to them, and that's going to impact their growth. And similarly with physicians, we have to make it a priority to take care of ourselves so that we can be as sharp as we need to be, and we can do more and give more for longer. I did want to end with one um, quick quote that I think really summarizes things. And it's from an article that I read when I worked on this resolution. And it says, well-being goes beyond the absence of burnout or depression and includes being challenged, thriving, and achieving quality of life in the mental, physical, emotional, social, and spiritual domains. And I think that's one of the reasons why our initiative has been about wellness, because that's what we want to promote. And hopefully with that focus, we'll get to all the other issues that are going on. It's one of those trees that you miss for the forest, I think, that we're, just like you described, we're trying to tell people all, the t all day long different behaviors they need to change, and one of those, you know, is to different ways they need to take care of themselves. And here we're, we're ignoring our, our own selves, as, a, as in this case, the physician. So uh, great information. I appreciate mm -hmm. you sitting in and, and sharing some resources available to the physicians that are practicing around the state of Georgia and beyond. Um, I want to make sure that you turn around
and hit share on the on the episode after you watch it today. And we want to say thanks to the folks that do that. Put it out on Facebook, put it out on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, the places that uh, that you frequent on social media. You'll find Mag on tw Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, of course, and follow them there. You'll get all kinds of great information along with our episodes uh, when they put those out there. Make sure you go over to mag.org slash topdocs, T-O-P-D-O-C-S. You can see all of our previous episodes that we've done together over the past few years. And for everybody at Medical Association of Georgia, I want to say thanks so much to Dr. Callens as Thank well you. as everybody mm -hmm. that sat in with us today. We look forward to catching up with you next time. We'll see you then.